Welcome to In the Oil Patch with Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine, sponsored by Steer from MMR Studios. Join us here every week to explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, visit with the movers and the shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, your elected officials, and many more right here in the Oil Patch. And welcome back to another In the Oil Patch radio show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a very special guest, but one who is a regular guest on In the Oil Patch radio show, and that is our associate editor, David Blackman. David, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me here today. Well, you know, today's a special show because, uh, well, we have a new issue out. And one of the things that I uh, thought that we could do a little different on this show is talk a little bit about the issue because there's a lot of great and different articles. And I don't necessarily know if we have covered a lot of what you can find in the Shell magazine. And of course, you're our resident energy expert, and we will get to that a normal part of the show. But since we have a new issue coming out, I wanted to spend some time talking a little bit about all the hard work that you and Lauren Guerra, who is our uh, editor, put into bringing together an awesome uh, magazine named Shell, Shell Magazine. So um, tell me a little bit about, um, let's discuss who our cover is, because that's uh, an interesting cover. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the cover is the president of the United States, Donald Trump. Um, you know, and the, the cover story is about, you know, a piece I really enjoyed writing about uh, the, the sea change, basically, that he and his administration have brought to federal energy policy here in the United States uh, during 2016. It's the most radical change, I think, of direction in energy policy our country has experienced uh, in at least 40 years. I think the only really comparable administration to this one is the Carter administration. Um, You know, Jimmy Carter regulated, uh, heavily regulated uh, oil prices and natural gas prices here in the United States. Um, You know, created the Natural Gas Policy Act, uh, the Natural Gas Act, uh, and several other really bad pieces of legislation that uh, hindered the oil and gas industry for many years to come. Uh, President Trump is taking it in the opposite direction, um, reversing a lot of heavy regulatory activity that went along, went on during the Obama years, uh, and actively encouraging, doing everything his administration can to encourage the increased uh, development and production of America's oil and gas energy assets, uh, and, and coal as well, and wind and solar as well. I mean, it's just a fully diverse energy policy, and uh, the whole goal being to take maximum advantage of America's natural resources in in a very uh, environmentally responsible way, Uh, but, you know, have the full force of the federal government behind the increased production of oil and gas here in the United States. It's it's a really welcome change from the last 20, 30 years of American energy policy. Right. And, you know, I think that what is really important as well is you know, in the Oil Patch radio show is really on major radio stations, and it's basically being listened to by 
just the average people and they're not necessarily experts in oil and gas or energy. And to see the differences between the past administration and how they regulated it to the point where it almost didn't exist in some ways to President Trump coming in and saying we're moving towards energy dominance because it's in our best interest to do that and and to you know lead the way with not just producing an absolutely necessary commodity that we all need to just live and survive but also to teach and lead the way for other countries as well so there's a lot that you know I think when you captured your story of all the things that President Trump has been doing to move the oil and gas industry back to where we are able to here in the United States drill. Uh, it was important to to see all of the regulations that he was removing that had been placed upon this energy industry, and that's really hard to find, in my opinion, David. Where can you go and find all the different policies that were changed and amended that you really get the truth? Yeah, and that's that was one of the reasons I really enjoyed so much putting that piece together because you really don't see that anywhere else. It's, it's just not captured. Um, the White House website, <laughs> you know, has pages and pages of information about it. But, uh, you know, capturing it all in a narrative that's readable and understandable to, you know, ordinary folks who don't, you know, have any real expertise in, in energy policy, I think uh, is something that is, is pretty unique to, to Shell Magazine. And, uh, you know, we just saw uh, this week a, a development related to you know, really important development related to Trump's energy policies uh, with the issuance of the final regulatory approval for the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline up in Nebraska uh, early this week. And, uh, you know, that's a direct result of an executive order that President Trump issued on the fourth day after he took office, um, you know, which just kind of shows the priority he has put on energy policy really Going back to the early days of his campaign, he has talked about it relentlessly and endlessly and uh, has had a real focus on it. So, you know, you can love the guy or hate the guy, but you can't deny he is very, very focused on uh, a healthy oil and gas industry here in the United States. And and, and I want to just briefly get into, if you don't quite understand oil and gas, that's okay, because uh, I don't know very many people who do know from, you know, front to end of it. It's a very complicated, very large industry. Um, It definitely has extremely intelligent, very well-educated. The latest technology that's being developed is coming directly because of oil and gas. And this this is a huge, huge industry, and it's hard to understand all of the components and why it's so important to us. And so for me, you know, being able to have... Uh, you capture everything to help all of us understand uh, this is a complicated industry and it's a complicated uh, world issue. It's much bigger than the United States and there's a lot of moving parts in it. And President Trump, I think, in my opinion, gets a lot of it and the importance of it. Tell me one regulation that you think really made a bit of difference that you wrote about in the President Trump piece. Oh, sure. Well, you know, the biggest one uh, that the president has, you know, is in the process of, of reversing uh, from the Obama years is the waters of the United States 
regulation that I have talked about many times on this program that uh, the EPA really actually finalized in late 2015, but it had been held up in, in the federal court system since then and had never been implemented. Uh, this administration has uh, pulled that massive uh, power grab by the Environmental Protection Agency off the books and is in the process of rewriting it and reproposing it. Uh, that regulation, had it been allowed to move forward, would have had the Environmental Protection Agency regulating um, every drainage ditch in your neighborhood, uh, the way the cities of Houston and San Antonio design and maintain their road systems. Uh, it just would have been an unbelievable intrusion into the lives of every American by the Environmental Protection Agency. So that was... And, and it would have had a major detrimental impact on, on not just the oil and gas industry, but would have raised the cost of every construction project uh, in the United States. So, uh, you know, that was a huge one. And, and we talked about many others. And, you know, for more information on that, you can just go to shellmag.com and and and, uh, and read that cover piece. It's, it took take about 30 minutes to get through it all, but I think it's well worth the time. And that way, when you're at your next cocktail party or when you are at your next event, you will be able to actually understand all the way up until what happened in the past till now pertaining to President Trump and his energy policy. So it's a great read. And, you know, the other thing I want to say is, you know, within the Shell magazine, you know, there's some great articles in there on water and on Argentina's Shell plays that are going on and other really important oil and gas topics. And I want to get back into that when we return from break, but we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us Info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S H A L E, mag, M A G dot com. Or you can call us, 210 240 7188. Again, that's 210 240 7188. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210 210- 2407188 again 2102407188 Oil Field Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs Specializing in hard to find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs Oil Field Experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965 From the auto repair shop to the pump jack call us to get the right part right now Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Great companies take great care of their employees. Ensure the well-being of your workforce with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. 
Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired to the time they retire. From pre-employment screenings to routine immunizations to on-site injury care and more, trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your employees' health care needs, health care that comes to you. Call 1-866-334-2485. Again, that's 1-866-334-2485. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, our associate editor of Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine. David, before the break, we were talking about our cover, which is President Trump and all of the policy changes that are occurring under his new administration. Uh, And of course, oil and gas is extremely important to all of us. Uh, It not only provides a commodity that we cannot live without, but it also provides, and there's an area of national security. This is a very, very, very important topic to understand. And then, of course, when you understand it, you'll support it. But I want to move on because this issue was special. And, well, every issue is awesome, but this one was really special because we we talked a lot about jobs. We talked a lot about water, different uh, areas within the oil and gas um, the, the jobs that are being provided uh, in the steel area. Talk to me briefly about what's going on there. Well, yeah, that's a piece uh, by Jackie Stewart, who is a, uh, in the uh, strategic communications group at FTI Consulting, uh, a firm that I used to work for several years ago. And it's, a, it's just a terrific piece about how the development of the Marcellus Shale and the Utica Shale up in the Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia region are revitalizing uh, the nation's steel industry. Um, and it's not just development in, in the Marcellus, it's also all the pipeline projects that we're seeing uh, get underway here in Texas and, and all over the country. You know, they, these projects require gigantic amounts of steel. And the beauty of the shale revolution, or one of the really great byproducts of it, is that it has had the effect of revitalizing America's manufacturing sector of our economy, just not just the steel industry, is seeing jobs come back to this country and plants reopening and new new uh, plant equipment being built. The chemical industry, the plastics industry, the fertilizer industry, we're just having a real manufacturing renaissance here in the United States, all thanks to the oil and gas industry and, and uh, the boom that we've had. Uh, in domestic production over the last decade. But th- this is a really terrific piece. Jackie's a, a great writer, and, and it's just a really nice piece about what's going on in the Marcellus, uh, all these jobs that are being created, and a lot of union jobs, which, uh, you know, the oil and gas industry has always had kind of a uh, contentious relationship with the major unions. But here we are 
uh, up there in the northeast uh, with this great development going on. And all of a sudden, we have these new alliances being formed uh, between the oil and gas industry and some of the big labor unions up there. So it's it's a really neat piece for, for people to read and and it helps you get familiar with what's going on in a different part of the country. Right. And depending on the age of the listener right now, um, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s, you ask a lot of people who lived in that time, and they'll tell you those were some of the best times we've ever had in America. And a lot of it had to do with we manufactured a lot here. And through different leadership in the White House and in different Congress, we, we really had lost our way. And it's so amazing to see these things coming back because that is job security. And it also is obviously uh, beneficial to all of uh, the United States with uh, commerce and that we're actually manufacturing again here in the United States. But the oil industry is also responsible for really creating a lot of technology in areas that you really wouldn't think. They use water to frack these wells and now you know these entrepreneurs these oil companies are realizing we can't keep keep using water we have to find a way of recycling it so we're seeing all this new technology coming on that are you know coming out that's addressing water and how to recycle it better and use it in different ways so uh, they're conscious of water and water conservation that's that's another great article in the magazine as well but Let's talk about the orphan wells here in in Texas real quick, because that's also in here, and that comes from uh, the previous uh, Texas Railroad Commission Commissioner, David Porter. Briefly tell me about what is the problem or what is the issue with orphan wells. Well, the Texas in Texas has a really proactive approach to this issue. You know, in every state you have a situation where you have a lot of wells that uh, companies go out of business, they go bankrupt, uh, you know, the, the people just go out of business here and there, and, and wells end up not being properly plugged and abandoned uh, when, when the production uh, runs out on them. And you know, the, the common term for such wells is orphan wells, because they're, they're, they're wells that don't have an operator who is financially responsible for, for plugging and abandoning them. So, you know, it became uh, a real issue. The, the industry got together with the Railroad Commission about 25 years ago now and uh, created what we call the Orphan Well Fund. It is uh, funded entirely by fees on the oil and gas industry here in Texas. So the taxpayers are not use, are not funding this, the taxpayers of oh, Texas. No. It's strictly the oil and gas industry right. funding their own plugging of their orphan wells, which it's great. They should. And, yeah, and, and so we spend at least $20 million a year and sometimes more than that plugging and abandoning uh, as many of these orphan wells as the Railroad Commission can manage. And, and so it's a great program been copied by a lot of other states that, uh, you know, when it was created, I think it was really the first of its kind, and that uh, it's, it's been emulated all over the country since then, as things tend to be emulated by other states when they happen here in Texas. So uh, another really good story and interesting read for folks that have an interest uh, in this industry. Interesting. So David, talk to me a little bit about the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers also uh, wrote in this issue about responses to major disasters. Yeah, John Tentera, actually, who's the, the new incoming president at the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, wrote this piece for us. And it, it talks about, you know, how the officials from the governor on down coordinate the state's emergency response to major uh, natural disasters like, like Hurricane Harvey through the state's Emergency Operations Center, which is uh, just located 
right across the street from from the state capitol building, uh, right across uh, 11th Street. And, um, you know, whenever there's a major disaster like that, all the designated officials uh, uh, get together uh, in a conference room, basically, is what it is. And, and the oil and gas industry has people, the major trade associations also have representatives who communicate on a real-time basis with the EOC throughout these disasters and help coordinate the industry's response. So it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting, a very easy read. John, John wrote this very an efficient way, and uh, and it's very easy to understand. It just gives you some insight on how the state of Texas manages these uh, its response to these major disasters. Well, very good, David. Now, when we come back from break, I do want to get into a little bit of oil and gas, where we are and where we're heading. But I'll finish off with a little bit of our lifestyle and business sections in Shell Magazine. So you are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 87 years strong, serving independence, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages like you who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. Contact Sandy Simon at sandis at texasalliance.org or call 281-997-7223. That's 281-997-7223. And we're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. You know, David, Shell Magazine is more than just an oil and gas trade publication. It actually is a business and lifestyle and social section in it as well. And it's uh, really designed to be an easy read for really anyone, anyone who wants to learn about oil and gas, anyone that's already in oil and gas, anyone that wants to learn about great restaurants, great places to stay, great destinations. You know, it's all in there. Uh, One of the the great things that uh, I enjoy is our lifestyle section, and that's because Shell Magazine does a great job of covering great restaurants or if there is something happening, a great hotel, the history behind it. Um, I had the great pleasure of visiting Peli Peli, which was one that we had a restaurant we had covered about a year ago in Houston. And I said, at some point, I'm going to make some time to go and eat at that restaurant because their food looked just delicious and I was not disappointed it was amazing but in this issue you can find uh, we covered the Haunted Magnolia Hotel uh, which is very very rich in history and fright Um, also there's um, the holiday event at the Washington on the Brazos State Historical Site and then um, of course one of the greatest things to me is on the business section the global business partnership and basically covering international etiquettes and protocol. And and to me, why that is so important, David, is because a lot of times when you travel the globe, these different countries have really 
totally different ways of the way that they communicate and the way they interact. Some uh, don't like to be touched. Some it is proper to bow. Some it is proper to dress appropriate for the area you're going into. And in this issue, we were able to cover through Danielle Tracola, who is an expert in this area, um, you know, proper dress and etiquettes for visiting other countries, which is really important because you don't know until you get there. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I didn't pack right. So there's a lot of things to to learn. And I found this issue to be extremely interesting. Uh, Great job that you did and Lauren. And so I encourage our listeners to go to shellmag.com. You can look at it online. It's free and get uh, educated and informed on oil and gas and more. But I do definitely want to get back on topic because, you know, we're coming up to the end of the year. In 2018, what can we expect? I think that is what everybody wants to know. Uh, What is the forecast for 2018? Well, so much is going to depend on the events of the next week or two. Uh, OPEC and Russia will be meeting here next week uh, to determine whether or not they are going to extend their export limitation agreement through the end of 2018. And that will have a dramatic impact on the markets one way or the other. Uh, It is already extended, is scheduled to expire at the end of March of next year. And and most observers are anticipating that it will be extended through the end of 2018. If that does not happen, uh, then all bets are are off uh, on where the price for crude oil will will head in 2018. If it does happen, uh, I think we can expect a pretty uh, strong year for oil prices and and thus for the domestic oil and gas industry here in the United States. Well, well, let me ask you a question. As our resident energy expert in oil and gas and being in this for over 30 years as a consultant in, in the oil and gas industry, do you think that OPEC does not understand that they really do need to extend this out to 2018 for their best interest as well? I mean, what are yeah, the odds? No, I think most of the countries in OPEC do understand that. Um, there is uh, some tension within the membership of that group because of the, you know, uh, outside of OPEC conflicts that are going on between Saudi Arabia and Iran and Saudi Arabia and Yemen, for example. Uh, and then you have uh, the deteriorating situation in Venezuela, uh, and who knows what's ultimately going to happen there. But there are a few countries in, inside of OPEC who do not want to commit to these lower export quotas that they've been you know, somewhat complying with uh, throughout this year. And uh, there is some speculation that could upset uh, the extension of this agreement. But uh, I think the, at the end of the day, the, the vast majority of OPEC nations are in favor of it, and the group as a whole will uh, – approve the extension of that agreement through 2018. So that, you know, I'd say there's a 90% chance sitting here today that it will be extended. Uh, And hopefully that's what will happen because really, if if that doesn't happen, then, you know, there's so much excess producing capacity uh, in a country like Iran. Iran could be putting half a million barrels a day more onto the market than they're currently putting on. Uh, Saudi Arabia could be putting two or three million 
barrels a day. And I think you're right that they are definitely not newbies to this. And I think they understand the outcome could really have a very negative impact on them as well. So that's not where they want to go because that's where they've been for a while, (laughs) along with uh, everyone. Well, we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. PISA is the Petroleum Equipment and Services Association, who is the unified voice for the energy industry's service, supply, and manufacturing organizations, advocating and supporting continued achievements in job creation, technological innovation, and economic stability. PISA provides corporate membership opportunities in two categories, industry and allied. Over the years, a lot of amazing companies have become members of PISA, but don't take my word for it. Click on the directory on their website and see for yourself. In order to become a member of PISA, all you need to do is go to PESA.org, click on the membership tab, and fill out an application. Once again, that's PESA.org. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is our associate editor of Shell Magazine and our energy expert on In the Oil Patch Radio Show, David David, before the break, we were talking about OPEC and how we believe, you believe they will respond in continuing the cuts through the end of 2018, which is a benefit to everyone involved in oil and gas worldwide. However, talk to me a little bit about what you think will happen within the United States shell producers. Well, here in the United States, I think uh, 2018 is going to be uh, look a lot like 2017. Uh, 2017, we saw... Uh, you know, because the price of crude was very strong as the year opened, uh, all these producers put in very strong drilling budgets for the first half of the year, activated a bunch of new drilling rigs, drilled a bunch of wells, and drilled themselves into a lower price for the second half of the year, and uh, cut back on their budgets in July, and uh, and then the price has gone back up again as a result. And I think you'll see kind of a replay of that in 2018, although it probably won't be as extreme as it was in 2017. There there are different factors now, different pressures on the management of these companies. Uh, At the first of 2017, the pressure from investors was all about increasing your production and drilling more wells because they'd gone through two years of of their resource base kind of declining because they weren't drilling wells. So the, the big pressure from investors going into this year was, well, you need to drill more wells and, and start increasing your production again. Now the pressure on these management teams is, you know what? You've drilled a lot of wells. You've increased your resource bases. Now we want you to return, uh, you know, increase your returns to your investors. And so they've taken uh, – these companies have taken, you know, a good portion of their drilling budgets and, and reallocate it towards things like buying back stock and doing other things that are designed to increase return on investment, uh, you know, for their investors. So, but we are seeing signs that there will be stronger budgets for drilling uh, starting in January. Um, and so I think we will again see the rig count rise, more jobs be created, and more wells getting drilled in the first half of next year. But it won't be as severe as it was this year. Right. And I, and I think we everybody is kind of it has an understanding that the days of over $100 a barrel of oil uh, may not return anytime soon or in our lifetime. But um, a climb up and out uh, would be nice as opposed to the way it was when the Wild West came in or the I, I kind of looked at it like the modern day gold rush, but it was the Eagle Ford, <laughs> you know, uh, just a crazy movement and uh, a lot of activity. 
Um, and so it's kind of nice to see everything stabilize uh, in a way that um, is manageable is probably the best way of me putting it. Um, how about if we switch gears a little bit and talk about natural gas? So we've talked a lot about crude oil and its pricing. You know, natural gas is another one that um, it's rates always seem to be uh, completely different than oil and gas. So what's going on with the natural gas prices? Well, we've actually strengthened here over the last few weeks. Uh, the, the price had gotten down to around 280 and now it's strengthened back up to 320, 330 range. Uh, and that's mainly because storage levels are, are lower uh, this year than they have been uh, in the last five years. We're well below the five-year average. And uh, it does appear that we're looking at probably having a pretty cold winter in, uh, in the eastern half of the United States, maybe not in the west so much. But, uh, you know, the population centers that use uh, most of the natural gas are in the east. So that's a good sign for the industry. And a good, you know, because one of the things that's killed the price uh, on natural gas in recent years has just been there's been so much gas in storage. Uh, and, and that just is a real uh, negative force on the natural gas price. So storage levels are down, uh, demand is up, you know, we're, we're exporting more and more LNG using more and more natural gas and power generation, uh, using more and more natural gas in all these manufacturing processes for fertilizers and plastics. Uh, and so demand is really ramping up quite rapidly for natural gas. And I think, you know, we're going to go into a, a period here over the next few years where that gas price is going to stabilize at a higher level, you know, than the 270 to $3 range where it's been. It's going to be more like a Three twenty to three fifty range that we're going to see over the next few years. So, you know that's all great. It's all good. It means more profits for these companies, more jobs being created, more drilling rigs out there, and uh, you know just a pretty pretty optimistic picture now for the natural gas part of the business. Is um, talk to me a little bit about Mexico and natural gas. There was some uh, discussion on Mexico with natural gas. What what's happening over there? Well, we are exporting more and more natural gas into Mexico via pipelines. Uh, there's been uh, two new pipelines opened up this year, taking gas out of the Permian Basin and out of central Texas into Mexico. And there is a gigantic 48-inch pipeline under construction right now that's going to take natural gas from the port of Corpus Christi uh, down uh, along Highway 77 in, into northern Mexico. Uh, Mexico's own uh, oil and gas industry, their production of natural gas in the northern part of the country has really uh, gone uh, way down in recent years. Uh, they just had a really hard time domestically developing their own resources. So they have, and the, the population is really expanding rapidly in the northern part of the country. So there's a, a, a rapidly increasing demand for natural gas, and the United States is, is feeding that demand. Uh, so it's just another real positive sign for our industry here in Texas. And, you know, it really is good to see natural gas on the rise just because we know it it burns cleaner um, and there's an abundance of it and it's inexpensive. And, of course, the United States sits on a lot of it. So this is a really good, in my mind, when we're seeing a lot of these corporations that have big fleets changing from a diesel and or uh, oil and gas uh, vehicles into natural gas 
is always a good sign. And then, of course, having it, you know, head into uh, RS selling now into Mexico, one of our greatest allies and partners is also a good thing. David, we do have to take a quick break. But when we return, I want to get into Hurricane Harvey and how did the operators respond and how did we do as far as, uh, you know, South Texas and how did we handle uh, Hurricane Harvey, in your opinion? We'll be right back. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Oilfield Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, Oilfield Experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest, David Blackman, Associate Editor of Shell Oil and Gas Business Magazine and our energy expert. David, before the break, we were talking, of course, about natural gas. I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about how did uh, the operators respond and what were your thoughts on Hurricane Harvey? Now, now we all know that uh, we probably know at least one person, maybe two, maybe a little more that were personally impacted by Harvey, Hurricane Harvey. But I thought it was very interesting to see how the industry itself reacted. We had some really amazing things, amazing operators, um, and I want to cover that. Uh, it is covered in, of course, Shell Mag, but uh, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on on uh, how we covered uh, Hurricane Harvey. Well, and that, that, of course, is a big focus of this issue of the magazine. Uh, I wrote a piece about the, how the industry responded to it and was impacted by the storm. Kelly Warren Moore wrote a, just a wonderfully written piece uh, about uh, the impact of the storm in Rockport, where she has a second home, she and her husband, and how it impacted the lives of all their neighbors and the city officials and, and what the city is doing to try to recover. It's just a wonderful piece that I think everyone would enjoy reading. Um, where the industry is concerned, you know, I, I just, I think we, we learned some real lessons in Harvey that uh, some of which we learned in the past and kind of forgotten, uh, such as the fact that, that oil and gas, particularly gasoline, is such a, uh, a big make such a big difference in our daily lives. You know, we went through a couple of weeks there where it was kind of hard to find gasoline. Even up here in Mansfield, where I live, near Fort Worth, uh, for two to three weeks after Harvey, uh, it was very difficult to find gasoline. And, uh, and uh, you know, it, it just reminded me of the 1970s, the oil shocks of the 70s. I have these awful memories of, of waiting in line for an hour on odd number of days to, to buy gasoline in the city of Houston. And uh, so it, it just, uh, it, you know, there was that lesson. And the lesson, too, though, that I think in, in the thing the industry should be most proud of is how resilient it is and and, and just how, how, how efficient it is at recovering from a disaster like this. It's just a, a great story. I want to ask you a question, though, about, you know, when we all – saw either we were directly involved in it or we saw it on the news that you're right there was a problem with people getting gas even though Harvey had passed and there the impact was obviously uh, apparent of, of individuals homes had been lost and stuff but yet 
cities like San Antonio and other uh, little towns that had not necessarily uh, received any problems from Hurricane Harvey were still having problems. Was it that we were having a gas prob- uh, shortage? Um, and what caused uh, the delay in gasoline to the pumps? Sure. And that, yeah, I mean, it was because uh, 25 big refineries along the Gulf Coast had to shut down because they were flooded, basically. They were either flooded or they had uh, a loss of uh, electrical power. And so for uh, several days after the storm, really uh, at least a week, about a quarter of the nation's, the whole country's uh, oil refining capacity was shut down. And that created shortages not just in Texas and Louisiana, the states that were impacted most by the storm, but all the way up uh, the, uh, the eastern coast of the United States because the Colonial Pipeline, uh, which gets its oil from Gulf Coast refineries, uh, the Colonial Pipeline was shut in, and it supplies about 30% of the gasoline all the way up to Maine. So, uh, you know, it just had a cascading effect in, across a vast swath of the country. Uh, the other interesting thing was people complained about the, the rise in gasoline prices after the hurricane. But you know what? The gasoline price only went up by about 15%, about 35 to 40 cents a gallon. Uh, it, it was sitting around $2.10 before the storm. It got up to about two fifty for regular after the storm, and then quickly started going right back down again. And, you know, that, that's just a sign, because, and that was because the refineries very quickly started getting back into action. Um, we were able to, within, within three weeks after Harvey had passed, uh, about 90% of that refining capacity that had been knocked offline was back online, and, and the rest of it was up within another two weeks after that. So it just it's just a, a really great story of how resilient this industry is, how well-constructed these plants are, how safe they are, uh, and how quickly uh, the industry is able to recover from just a truly epic unprecedented storm. Now, I have a question about the other hurricanes and how do you feel that there was a difference between the way that the operators responded to Hurricane Harvey from other past hurricanes and 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 the impacts they might have had with the energy industry? I think there definitely was onshore um you know, storms in the past and I I've you know, I've experienced hurricanes all my life. I grew up in Beeville and you know, I mean, the first hurricane I can remember is Hurricane Carla in 1961. So, yeah, my whole life I've, I've experienced hurricanes and, and been around the oil and gas industry my whole adult life. And you saw what you saw in this storm uh, really more than any past storm I can remember is onshore producers shutting in wells onshore and, and, and you know, tank facilities and, and processing plants onshore. You've always seen it in the offshore, in the Gulf of Mexico. You know, you, they, you have to shut in those platforms, get all the people off of them, back onto dry land. But this storm, you know, you just saw uh, an immense part of the Eagle Ford Shale wells, for example, were shut in. And those locations were shut in and tied down in anticipation of the storm. And I think that goes to, you know, as, as time has gone on, this industry has become more and more and more environmentally sensitive, more safety conscious than it was 30, 40 years ago. And you see that reflected in, in how it prepares for and then recovers from these big storms. 
And you know, David, with that, I want to end with saying this too. Oil and gas is extremely important to us all. And when you don't have access to it, how it really definitely can uh, be a terrifying situation. And we saw that on social media. We saw that people didn't have access at the gas pumps and literally a lot of people panicked. And maybe it's this opportunity to look and to reflect and say, as much as, you know, we, we they care about the environment, they also provide, the industry provides great paying jobs and it also really, truly provides a commodity that we just cannot live without. Well, David, as always, it's been a pleasure speaking to you and I, I thank you for coming on and talking to to us about the latest issue of Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine. I look forward to having you next week on the show when we can talk some more about, of course, oil and gas. I look forward to it. And with that, David, you know what time it is. It's trivia time. Be the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shellmag.com. And you'll win yourself a $100 gift certificate to Fogo the Chow. Today's trivia question is, who is on the cover of the latest issue of Shell Magazine. Remember, be the first person to email the correct answer to radio at shellmag.com and you will win $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the Brazilian steakhouse. Well, that's all the time we have on this show. Be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show and follow us on Twitter at Shell Mag. And if you'd like the latest issue of Shell Magazine, go to shellmag.com. That's going to wrap up another great show, and we look forward to seeing you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.